Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first edition of the Upscale Hoops podcast. My name is Colin, a.k.a. Flares and Pin Downs on Instagram. I'm joined by Dunk Angle, NBA Circles, and Mathketball. Uh, this is our first episode. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. Um, I'm just glad we got this scheduled and figured out. Yeah, for sure. So today what we're going to be talking about is with the All-Star game um, coming up soon. Um, we're just going to be going over our all-star picks, um, starters and bench, both for the East and West. So, yeah, does anybody want to start? Um, and we're going to start with our Western Conference starters. So, yeah. So, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, point guard for the West, uh, hosting Steph Curry. Uh, I think uh, that's unanimous among us, you know, unless you guys have any rebuttals. Yeah, I think I think that has to be unanimous. Yeah, I, I don't I think, like, if we were to have – or if we were to choose captains, um, Steph Curry would be my captain for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Better. Yeah, I have no complaints with that. Uh, Steph Curry has to be there. Um, and then for the second guard, I think Damian Lillard has to be there as well. Uh, leader in clutch scoring so far this year. Um, I mean, just had another big game again, 14 points in the fourth quarter today. Um, four for four on threes. Um, you know, the body of work that he's put out this year, averaging, averaging 29 and about seven and a half on true shooting, roughly 6% better than the rest of the league. Um, you know, and he's keeping this Portland team afloat with all the injuries that are going on. So I think he's got to be the other guard in that backcourt. I definitely think he has a case. Um, definitely not Matt that selection, but I think you got to consider Luca as well. He's been on one of the greatest playmaking seasons in NBA history with um, some subpar spacing and no secondary creator to fall back on. So um, I'm not mad at either pick, but I definitely think Luka deserves some consideration. Yeah, I would tend to agree with Arya, NBA circles here. Um, I've, I've been very close. I'm fine with either as well, but I would also lean Luka. I also think in terms of the spacing uh, that Arya mentioned, I think that is a factor. And also in addition, I mean, you know, the defensive gap is also there, so I would take Luca. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, um, I was an advocate for Dame uh, a few weeks ago, but as of recent, especially, Luca's been closing the gap uh, last 10 games. Uh, he's found a shot, uh, shot back, you know, he's shooting uh, 42% from three the last 10 games. Uh, and the Mavs as a whole uh, have bounced back as well. Uh, you know, and Arya mentioned the, the, the playmaking as well. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm fine with either way as well. So um, myself, Arya, um, I'm Arya, and um, Ben, we uh-huh. we have Luca, right? And then Colin is Dame. So who who do you side with, Yash? I'd go Dame as well. Dame. All right. So we're two two on that. Both are good. I love a good split. All right. <laughs> but we all agree on Steph Curry, which I think you know is pretty obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So I guess moving into the forwards, I think the forward that um, I'd say they're all to agree locks on my end, but the one that's like most a lock in high in my top two MVP candidate race is uh, Nikola Jokic. And I mean, just the season he's been putting on, not even relative to centers, just relative to the whole league in general, he's putting on on an offensive masterclass. I mean, obviously, see, obviously has an argument for the best passer in the game, an elite playmaker, um, has been putting on a show in, t- in terms of his scoring as well this year. Um, an efficient score and defensively, um, well, you know, his game may not translate well in the playoffs defensively in the regular season. I definitely think um, defensively it's better um, in terms of what he can do. And, you know, 
he he does have some pluses defensive defensively as well. You know, the quick hands and all that um, in terms of creating turnovers. So, yeah, I, I just think he's a he's a lock for the All Star game or for the All Star starters. I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. And then um, for the two forward spots, I think it's it's pretty clearly got to be Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. Uh, yeah, unless, no, I'd agree. Unless yep. I dock Kawhi Leonard for his missed games, he's missed quite a few. Um, I, I think those two should be the starters, especially since there's not much competition either. Yeah, definitely. I would I would definitely agree with both of those. You know, interesting stat with Kawhi Leonard is he's actually one of the least frequent layup assist men in the league. Um, about 13% below average when it comes to uh, percentage of assists cr- that come at the rim. Um, but overall, Kawhi Leonard's creation has obviously continued to grow since his San Antonio days. Clippers offense is rolling, uh, and he's been a big part of that. LeBron James... I mean, of course, I mean, he's LeBron James. And then I would go with Jokic as well at forward. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're all in agreement on that, you and miss. Um, so then we go to the Western Conference guards. Um, so whichever one we have, because we, we split on Damon Luka, so whichever one we don't have starting, that would be the first yeah. guard off the bench. Um, and then for the second guard, who would you guys go with? So my original pick was C.J. McCollum, but obviously the injury and missed games and given the, um, you know, we had discussion about Kawhi Leonard for his missed games and given C.J.'s missed games, I mean, there's just no way to really include him. I mean, obviously, had he played like this the whole season, obviously a shoe-in for one of these spots, but uh, I'd probably give it to Donovan Mitchell, I think. Um, you know, say what you want, say what you want about his role being easy to fill. But I look down the list of other guards in the Western Conference, and I see guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, I see guys like De'Aaron Fox. I see guys like Jamal Murray. And I think Donovan Mitchell has them beat. Um, hold up. Let me turn off my Wi-Fi so that the signal doesn't suck. Um, but um, I think Donovan Mitchell beats out all of these guys. Hopefully you guys heard that. Um, but... Yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell beats out SGA, Fox, um, and Jamal Murray, those other Western Conference guards that are in that tier. Um, you know, I mean, he's just been on a three-point shooting tear. Uh, the playmaking has continued to grow for him. Um, he's just gotten much better at delivering passes quicker. Um, and then my other guard would be Devin Booker. Uh, he's really turned it on as of late, really starting to figure out how to play with Chris Paul, who was a tough cut for me. Um, but ultimately I think Devin Booker's ability to move without the ball, um, at Clay Thompson light levels has just been really valuable. Um, obviously the three level scoring, he just has so much value as a scorer. His playmaking continues to get better. So my three guards would be Luca, CJ and Booker, but I'm subbing CJ for Donovan Mitchell. So I, I take it that one of those guards does a wild card spot. Um, yes. Yes. Um, so as my second guard off the bench, before we get into wild cards, I'd have Devin Booker for sure. Um, he actually started slow this season. Um, his passing actually was really weak to begin the season, but I think some of it had to do with Chris Paul as him, him and Chris Paul just weren't a natural fit to start off the season. Um, then he missed a few games with that injury he suffered against the Nuggets, I believe. And now he's come back and he's just been on a tear. He's actually currently going off right now in this Nets game. Um, and yeah, I, his passing has picked up too, and I, he won Western Conference Play of the Week. Yeah, and I definitely think he'd take a take an All Star spot. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'd lean Booker as well with that uh, second guard spot. Um, as you mentioned, uh, he's definitely picked it up as of late, uh, as well as Phoenix. Um, yeah, I'd go Booker. Yeah, I mean, I wanted, kind of want to agree with you guys, but I'm still going to go, um, you know, in this spot, it's kind of tough because, like, a ton of the guys, except for, like, Chris Paul that I'd be looking at, um, have had some sort of in- injury this year or, like, have missed some sort of time, you know, Shea, Conley, Booker, each of them. But I would still lean Conley at this point. And while Booker's been playing amazing as of great, if I'm looking at it from, like, a cumulative standpoint for the whole entire year, I just think from what they've done, you know, from game one to, you know, however many games they've played at this point, I think, like, if, you know, we average all of that out and look at their total contribution, I would still take Conley. But, you know, Booker's starting to make a push. Chris Paul's starting to make a push. I mean, I, w- I was... I mean, I might have advocated for Shea, not for the recent um, the recent missed games. Um, even though Conley's been missing games too, but um, yeah, just at this point in the season, I would go Conley. Um, I think offensively, you know, he's been putting on a masterclass, um, reminiscent of his Memphis days, and defensively too. Um, I'd say he's better than the other three guards, um, you know, by a decent margin too. So, yeah, I would just go Conley at this point. Moving on to the forwards. Um... I think Zion has to be a lock at this point. At this point, with how he's playing over that stretch, averaging roughly 70% true shooting, scoring rate at about 27 points per 75. Um, I mean, you just look at the totality of his scoring game, um, whether it be off-ball with his role game and with his offensive rebounding, or what he's been doing lately where he's been initiating offense more, uh, improving a little bit as a passer as well. Um, Still not a threat from outside, but I mean... At 6'6", 285, you're not stopping him down low. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that over the course of the season, he's been a top-five scorer. Um, the mm-hmm. rate he's been at, and um, of course, the efficiency have just been phenomenal, and they've gotten, they've gotten even better as he's been initiating more offense. Um, they've actually had him handling the ball in a lot of pick-and-roll situations this year, later on, and um, I think he ranks top-five in score val as well, um, which is a metric. And, yeah, I think that his, his defense has also been better as he's been on the scoring stretch. So, yeah, I don't really see an argument for him to not be in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that Zion pick as well. Um, you know, before I used to have his teammate Brandon Ingram, uh, but I think he's uh, definitely surpassed him uh, with his play the last few weeks. Uh, but if we're talking about our first uh, forward lock spot, I, I would definitely go with Rudy Gobert, uh, who in my eyes is, you know, the lock for the defensive player of the year as of right now. Uh, so I go Rudy, and then, uh, yeah, I can see Zion uh, with that second spot. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go Gobert too, but just to specify, I'd have him as the back. I'm, I'm just talking about forwards right now, and Zion is my first forward. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with, you know, Zion, in terms of Zion, I'm not as confident in putting him in the game as you guys are, I'd say. But, I mean, the scoring prowess is there. I'd say, you know, even though some of the metrics might not back this up, you know, the, there's the gravity, especially at the rim. I mean, he's probably been, he is, you know, almost certainly the most prolific rim scorer uh, this season. And, yeah, I think, I think I'd think i probably put him there as well. And then, uh, yeah, I'd definitely put Gobert, um, probably the favorite for the defensive player of the year. Um, you know, underrated offensive impact. You know, you, everyone, or not everyone, but, you know, um, I'd say that, uh, you know, he's been the leader of the, he's been the leader of, you know, the best team in the NBA at this point, too. So, I mean, I just put Gobert there. And then in terms of the other spot, I definitely for sure would have put in Paul George um, had he not, you know, been injured. But at this point, it's questionable if, you know, he's even going to be able to, 
play play in the game. So, and 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 the same applies for uh, Anthony Davis. I'd say. I mean, I'd put I'd personally take Zion out if both Paul George and uh, AD were healthy. But for now, um, I'll just include AD for now. I'd say, and I'll just put AD up there with the last spot. But I mean, to your point about yeah, sorry, go ahead. to your point about Rudy Gobert, um, you know. His defensive value, I think we can all agree, is absolutely astronomical. But when we look at his role within the Jazz offense, um, I mean, it's his role gravity and his threat to finish around the rim without the ball. Um, that really opens up everything for the shooters they have there. Um, and with that offense, in, in combination with all that defense, I think Rudy Gobert definitely has to be there. Uh, sorry, Art. Yeah, definitely a lot for me. Um to what Ben was saying about um, Paul George and Anthony Davis, I think they'd both make the game for me um, had they have been healthy. But with the injuries they've suffered, it seems unlikely that they'd be able to play in the All-Star game. So um, I think we should select replacements for them. Okay. So for the second forward spot, assuming that we don't have one of them in, who would you guys take? I'd probably take Ingram then. Um, yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'll take Brandon Ingram. So, yeah, I would probably go with Brandon Ingram. Um, Draymond Green is also really, really interesting in all of this. I don't think he'll make it in just because, one, I don't think coaches are going to reward him, you know, because let's be honest, they're going to look at his stat line and they're going to be uh, repulsed by it. But, um, two, I think just the missed games that he's had and the Warriors' lack of success will also play a role in that. Again, Draymond Green obviously plays – with all-star value. I just don't think he'll make the game. I think Brandon Ingram would be a good replacement. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah I think uh, some of Draymond's inconsistency places as well. Um, you know, to the start of the year, you know, with COVID and uh, just his rhythm getting into the season, uh, he's even uh, came out to the media and said that his conditioning hasn't been uh, at the level that he wants it to be, at least yet. Um, you know, as of late, he's definitely been playing at that all-star level. Uh, but I think that, you know, considering the competition... I think his inconsistency at this point uh, is what's uh, what holds him holds him out of that spot. Yeah, he's definitely been up and down this season until as of late. Um, when they plugged him into that role as a small ball five, um, they've been playing the best basketball of the season, I'd say. Um, and he's dragged them back. He's dragged them to a near top five defense off the top of my head, even after missing those first four games, which I find remarkable. And as a small ball five, he's been averaging, I think, 12 assists a game, some, somewhere around that. Uh, yeah, his playmaking's just been incredible. And he's he's been initiating the Warriors' offense. Um, and he's he's getting Steph Curry a ton of open looks because Steph Curry does, just doesn't get these open looks. He has to work super hard to get them. And Draymond Green aids in that. So I definitely think he deserves consideration. But I'd give the spot to Brandon Ingram over him for now. Um, but I think Draymond Green deserves some some – consideration for a wild card spot which brings us to the next next topic who do you think gets the two wild card spots yeah so um i guess for one of my wild card spots at this point i'd go cp3 um i think he he's picked it up as of late um in terms of his i guess profile it shifted a bit from last year you know also playing uh devin booker now but um I, yeah i do think he's uh picked it up as of late one concern is the fact that his off-ball game is just lacking at this point i mean he's a very ball dominant player and, you know, you can talk about how that meshes and things like that. But I just think in terms of his overall offensive output this year, I would still slightly take it. Like, I'm not even sure if I would slightly take it, but 
you know, it's fairly close with me for some of the other players, you know, such as like Shea or even Booker at this point, because, you know, once again, Booker, I'm just looking at the whole cumulative thing, even though, you know, of course, you know, in terms of like, he was just in general, the better offensive player. I mean, yeah, I'd take Booker, but in terms of like, he's been better cumulatively this year. Yeah, I'd probably go Chris Paul. So uh, in terms of like overall play, including like, you know, everything. So I in um, also to Booker's like, uh, I guess like, another one of his like sort of things that puts him like just slightly under for me is the fact that um, he has missed more games. So, you know, there is a bit, a bit of that value bleed there. So I, I would go Chris Paul for one of those wild card spots. So what about you guys? Yeah. Um, so I already revealed Donovan Mitchell um, just because I didn't write down wild cards. I just, I don't know how I did it, but Donovan Mitchell's there. I kind of explained that already. And then my other my wild card would be Mike Conley. Um, Mike Conley's on offs and everything, but the way he's able to maximize Rudy Gobert's role game, um, and the role he's played in Utah's three headed monster in the backcourt, I think, I think he's been the most impactful of the three just with, you know, the fact that he's the best playmaker of the three. He's the best pure shooter of the three. He's probably, maybe he edges Mitchell out as a defender of the three. Um, I think overall, Mike Conley has had a more profound impact on what Utah has been trying to do, which is take advantage of Gobert's role game. So I think Mike Conley's role with with Utah's success, um, I think that definitely earns him his first all-star selection this year. And apologies to Chris Paul, but I'm just, I'm giving it to Mike Conley for the sake of the fact that He's been playing at this level all year, whereas Chris Paul has kind of just recently started to step up. Yeah, yeah I have that Conley pick. Um, uh, this is where – oh, sorry about that. You want to go? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd have Mike Conley as one of my wild cards. And for the other one, I think I'm torn between Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Draymond Green. But I I have to end up giving the nod to Donovan Mitchell. Maybe it's an ounce of a winning bias from me, but – I think that when you got a, a guy on OKC um, who's been putting up good numbers, probably slightly better than Donovan Mitchell individually. But then you have the Jazz who've just been playing lights out. And um, as even with people, what they've been saying, Donovan Mitchell is still their best their best um, individual shot creator. And he's crucial to them. So, yeah, I'd give, it, I'd give it to Donovan Mitchell. But I can see the argument for other guys for sure. Yeah, I'd put Conley uh, at this spot as well, as you guys have voiced. Um, you know, for my other two cards, I had uh, Dame and, and Booker. So I'd go Conley with that first wild card spot. Uh, and for that second spot, uh, I'd go I'd go with Shea. Uh, you brought up Donovan Mitchell, uh, but I feel like a lot of their uh, offensive success has had to do with their, uh, their scheming uh, rather than Mitchell and also those missed games. Uh, uh, play a factor in this as well. Uh, so I'd put Shea uh, with my second wild card spot. Yeah, I, this is close for me once uh, as well. I think it's between like four players for me, to be honest. Booker, Shea, Mitchell, and um, I'd even say Draymond in there. I mean, just in terms of Dre's passing, just getting more specific. I mean, he's arguably, you know, like a top two player in terms of, you know, hitting hitting cutters and all of that. And like, you know, it's early to use on off stats. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on this, but, like, when he's in the game compared to when he's not, like, the Warriors shoot, like, around 16% better at the rim. 
something like that, probably cleaning the glass. So, I mean, it's pretty nuts. And, I mean, if you just watch, I mean, he's had just superb passing games. Uh, but, you know, I think the scoring, about, the scoring, um, in terms of his lackluster scoring sort of bleeds a lot of value. Um, and, you know, this is close for me as well. Yeah, I think it'd, be between, it'd probably be between Shea and Mitchell overall. Yeah, I think I think I'll slightly lean Shea to be honest, but I'm fine. I'm fine with going Mitchell, but I'll slightly lean Shea. Good. I'm glad we have some disagreement. Um, you know, contrary to popular opinion, we are four different people. Um, so if we're gonna head out to the East now, because I think we've all made our picks, um, I think there's pretty much a consensus. Um, we've got three. We're split on the second starting guard between Dame and Luca. Steph was unanimous, and then LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic were pretty unanimous. Um, obviously, the other, the second of Dame and Luca was the first guard, um, and then we had Devin Booker, and then forwards we had Zion, um, Paul George, which we replaced, I think, with Brandon Ingram, and then Rudy Gobert, and then our wild cards were Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, in terms of our consensus picks, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Draymond Green were other guys who got consideration, Chris Paul as well. Um, so if we're going to move to the East, I think this is where we're going to have a ton of disagreement, especially with these two East guards. Uh, somebody take us away. Um, I, I can go. I think, I think James Harden has to walk up the top East guard spot. I mean, he started the season off of the West, but since he came to the East, he's just been phenomenal. He's one of the best playmakers in the season, given that he has had some insane spacing. But regardless, his playmaking has been incredible. He's been extremely efficient. Um, his scoring isn't at the same volume that it's been in those heliocentric Houston offenses. But nonetheless, it's still been one of the best scorers in the league. And his defense has, hasn't been that bad. Um, I don't know if that narrative still exists, that he's a really bad defender. But, um, yeah, I definitely give him my first guard spot. So if someone else wants to take it away. Sure. Uh, for my first guard spot, um, I have James Harden as well, reasons you mentioned. But, you know, watching him, his passing game overall has really, really started to blossom in recent years. Uh, his outlet passes especially have become really, really dangerous. Um, you know, he's just been extremely accurate with those. And unlike in years past with Houston, where he's more of a left-to-right passer, hitting people on the right side due to his vision, he's become you know, more adept at hitting cutters from both sides. Um, you know, and you factor in the fact that his scoring, while it has dipped, is far more suitable for, you know, a multifaceted scoring three-headed monster approach. And, you know, I think he's definitely a lock. Uh, what do you Yeah, I mean, I would agree with everything you guys said. I would put James Harden there. Um, for my first guard spot, offensively, you know, we know what he does. He's an animal. Um, and defensively, like you guys were saying, you know, he's underrated um, in terms of what he does. And, I mean, we saw what he did in Houston also in the playoffs as well. Um, just a player that, you know, also in terms of, like, size, I think this could be helpful uh, for Brooklyn as well, especially at this point. Um, you know, being able to guard the post. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely take Harden. And also, um, you know, so in terms of the left-to-right point, um, he also does this thing, um, at least, I I mean, I, I personally haven't watched that many Brooklyn games this year, but he did this a lot in Houston, where, you know, he would, where he would sort of, you know, maybe go forward a bit and then just do, you know, the behind the back pass, especially last year, 
to, you know, like maybe like a player like Jeff Green or like a wide open three point player that, you know, you could say he, he draws the gravity for us just in terms of that versatile passing, just kind of adding to that. But yeah, so um, as my second guard, I'd probably go Trey Young here. Um, I think it's super close. You can go with a lot of guys here. You can go with Trey Young, you can go with Kyrie, you can go with um, Zach, I think. I think even Jalen Brown has an outside case, but. I'd have to go with Trey Young. His um, playmaking, once again, has been top top of the league. He's been he's been the best at rim passer each of these last two years. Um, I think he ranks second in creation, just behind Luca at this point. Um, yeah, he's been a slightly efficient scorer. I think a, l- a little bit above league average, and obviously with uh, good volume. And he's leading the Hawks. I'm not sure if they're currently sitting in a playoff spot, but they're certainly competing for one. And I'd have to side with him, but I can see the argument for a ton of guys here. Yeah, I would I would disagree with uh, Trey. Um, you know, whenever you bring up Trey, there's always going to be the defensive struggles that get brought in, but I think people don't really oftentimes appreciate his offense and how good it is because, you know, you can make the argument he's like, what, a top two to three playmaker in the NBA. He's definitely right up there in passing as well. I'm a huge fan of his passing. Um, he takes a lot of high-risk passes, but also, you know, high reward. Um, and, you, and you mentioned the at-room the at- assist with that as well. Um uh, terms of his scoring you know he's for a volume score for you know a player who takes as many shots as he is I mean he's pretty efficient although you know there could be more to be desired in terms of um, that efficiency but you know you have to keep in mind the volume he's also taking it with although I do believe you know also the gravity it can create as well in terms of volume scoring but yeah I, I would go Trey because you know I just think even even when you minus from his impact with that defense I, I, I just think he still stands clear yeah, I'd agree you know, with those and, first two uh, guard picks. Uh, you know, both both Trey and Harden have, are having unreal playmaking seasons, uh, meaning the point. Uh, and I'd like to talk on Trey because uh, I've seen a lot of people, uh, not necessarily in this group, uh, but I've seen people write write Trey off for whatever reason. Uh, you know, he you know after that slow start to the year, uh, he's bounced back. You know, all of his his splits are back to where they were last year. Uh, though Atlanta has struggled as of recent uh, and throughout the year with all their injuries. Uh, like right now, uh, they're missing like Chris Dunn, Gallo's missed time, uh, Kevin Herter, uh, a lot of those guys have missed DeAndre time. DeAndre Hunter's. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Uh, so I, I still think uh, Trey definitely deserves that spot. Yeah. You know, and I mean, shocker, but I agree with you guys on Trey. And I mean, the really fascinating thing that really stands out with Trey Young is, you know, he is maybe the best lob thrower in the league at this point. I mean, despite standing at just 6-1, I mean, his hookups with uh, at-rim finishers are just spectacular. Um, he's throwing them into into traffic, into tight windows, all kinds of delivery and release points. And, I mean, overall, I mean, the impact he's had on Atlanta's offense has been really massive. Um, Atlanta is about 6.3% more efficient when it comes to true shooting. Uh, when they have Trey Young in the game. And when it comes to their overall offense, they're about 13.5 points better per 100 possessions with Trey Young in the game. Um, really impactful player, winning bias, and, um, you know, defensive skeptics are going to write him off. But I think with his offense being this massive, he almost certainly has this spot. Yeah, so um, uh, so surprisingly, we're all in um, we're all in consensus here for the two backcourt players for the Eastern Conference, despite 
all of us acknowledging that the second spot is very close. So moving on to our forwards, would anyone like to start? Yeah, I can dive right into it again. Um, Giannis Adetokounmpo, uh, you know, there are some questions with his defense for me this year. Um, most of it, though, I think is him coasting. He's not making the same help defense reads that he's usually making. Um, and I mean, it just looks very clear on tape that, you know, he's not really putting in the effort to go and help as much. But when it comes to his offense, I mean, his he is... I think in the top 10 when it comes to his box creation, I might be mistaken, but um, no, he's not in the top 10, but he's very close to it. Um, his overall creation is really, really solid for a big man. Um, and say what you want about his outside shot and how his scoring translates to playoff situations, but I think there's more to discover with Giannis. I think you know his lack of usage as a role man compared to other players of his size is an interesting topic and not necessarily one I want to go down right now. But yeah, I think Giannis for sure has to be there. Um, you guys in agreement with that? Yeah. To, to add on to his defense, um, it's definitely been worse than recent years. Um, he's been playing a few more minutes this year too, which I think contributes to it. And um, he's, they've been leading the best offense in NBA history, I think right now by raw offensive rating, which um, obviously takes a toll on him. Um, in addition to the minutes. And um, as a whole, Milwaukee's rim defense has been worse than recent years where it's been some of the greatest ever. Um, and their entire um, scheme of just leaving teams open from three has been taken advantage of. Um, I think opposing teams are shooting somewhere around 40% from three against them, which um, is part luck. But but I think the, that is some, some, something to do with Bud's scheme where they're, um, they're just constantly dropping, um, as they kind of have to with Brooke Lopez in the game. But I definitely think Giannis' defense has been worse than in recent, year, in recent years, where it's been near an all-time level, but still, nonetheless, a, a terrific defender. Yeah. And um, in terms of – or does anybody have any disagreements for the Giannis placement? Um, I no, think that no, was pretty self-explanatory. Okay. Yeah, so for the second, or not necessarily the second spot, but another forward spot, I would, or yeah, I guess the second forward spot here um, would be Giannis' teammate for me and Chris Middleton. Um, I don't know what it is with Chris Middleton. I see a lot of sort of slander on him um, in terms of, you know, not being able to, like, take over or whatever. And, you know, I just think a lot of it is just, uh, I guess, just, you know, kind of ill-advised. Um, I think in terms of, you know, if you want to go that route, I think he's one of the best you could argue one of the best creators in the NBA for himself in terms of, you know, just score, just scoring and his playmaking this year has been superb as well. Um, he's definitely a high end playmaker that the Bucks can use, or at least one of them um, outside of Giannis. Um, and, and defensively, you know, he's solid. And I just think overall what he's done this year has been enough for me to get the second forward spot. And I know there's the whole controversy, you know, it is a bit, you know, some could argue it's a bit weird to leave KD off this list. Or sorry, off this um, All Star spot, but to me, it's just the missed games, and that's that's really the only reason why. But yeah, yeah, Kevin Durant's missed I think ten games now, and he's missing one right now. He's somewhere around ten games missed, which is um, near half of the season. So I don't I don't think he can start for me over Chris Middleton, which I'd agree with you. Um, Chris Middleton would be starting for me. Um, what do you think about it? He's the best. I mean, he is the perimeter initiator for the best offense in the NBA right now. 
he's been ultra efficient with um, decent volume scoring wise, and his passing and playmaking have been terrific this season. I don't know why gets little recognition, but he's always been a good passer slash playmaker, and it's gotten even better this year. And then he obviously combines it with solid defense, as you said. So yes, he would be starting for me as well. I'm actually going to go a different route. Um, I'm actually going to give this spot to Bam out of bio. Um, and this may be a bit of a startling pick um, just because of the heat struggles and everything. But I mean, when you look at Adebayo's improvement from last year to this year, you're looking at a guy who could potentially win the most improved player in his second nomination for the award. I mean, the raw stats don't jump off the page, but defensively, he's remained about the same. He's remained constant, obviously. We know what he provides on that end of the court. But offensively, his isolation game has improved leaps and bounds. Um, Obviously, still has all that value as a role man. His his efficiency, excuse me, has improved by about 5-6% to in terms of true shooting overall. His free throw shooting has gotten way better. And, I mean, he's one of the premier mid-range shooters in the game right now. And... You know, he's starting to dabble in shooting threes here and there. Not obviously no more than one a game tops, but, um, you know, he's starting to dabble with shooting more outside shots. And his isolation game combined with his improved handle plus all that defensive value he brings, I I think it's, I think he deserves to start, although this was really, really close. Um, I'm not going to spoil the other guys who were um, up for contention here, but I'm going to give it to Bam out of Ohio. Yeah, I take uh, Giannis and Chris with my first two spots as well, though I feel uh, Bam is definitely an interesting pick, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm all for Bam. Uh, but my only concern is, you know, uh, you brought up defense, but in my opinion, I think his defense has, take, has taken uh, – uh, a little bit of a, a downfall uh, this season, especially with that increased offensive load uh, with all of their injuries. You know, at first it was Jimmy Butler to start the year. Uh, and then now just uh, random key rotation guys. Uh, I think he has contributed uh, to Miami's uh, Miami falling off a little bit defensively. Um, and I think that's what's holding him back uh, from taking that spot over Chris for me. My thing with that though, is that, um, He is obviously capable of playing as well as he did last year defensively, but his offensive load has increased to where, you know, you start to question whether or not he can play at the level he played defensively last year while maintaining this high offensive load. Um, And I think I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt here just because of what I've seen and because of how beneficial his defensive play style is come the playoffs. Um, but you know, this is, this is, I guess my sexy pick when it comes to this. So, um, three of us, everyone except for Colin has Chris Middleton as the second forward and Colin has Bam, right? Correct. Yeah. And then I'm assuming we all have Joel Embiid as a starting center. Yeah. Pretty self-explanatory. Yep. Yeah. I would take Joel. The only main concern at this point, I mean, it's just games played, but I think even if there's, like, missed games, I mean, I don't think he bleeds quite enough value to lower him. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any controversy here. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the bench, who do you guys have as the Eastern Conference reserve guards? 
Yeah, so one of them that I would definitely put up there would be Zach Levine. Um, in terms of Levine this year, I mean, he's just, his scoring as a whole has just, you know, taken a huge leap. He's gonna become way more efficient. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but if I recall correctly, his mid-range scoring has increased, like, a ton. Same with his run scoring. And I, I do think he's become a more accurate three-point shooter, if I'm correct. Um, so I just think I just think what Levine's done in terms of his scoring arsenal this year has just been crazy. Um, you know, I definitely didn't didn't see this coming, and all of that for me uh, makes me put him uh, at one of these guard spots. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, he's certainly grown into uh, one of the more complete offensive players. Uh, you know, his scoring numbers are just mind-boggling. You know, twenty-eight on sixty-five percent true shooting, uh, and also forty-three percent from three on eight attempts. Uh, which is just ridiculous. And also, he's improved as a passer this year. Uh, and uh, he's propelling the Bulls into that wild card, or a rather uh, play-in game contention. Uh, so I'd give, him that for, uh, I'd give him that first a reserved guard spot. And to your point about Zach Levine, um, obviously I have him on my team as well. His off-ball movement has been really, really just significant, I think. This adds a whole other dimension where – you know, he's not the best on-ball passer or playmaker, right? Like, he misses tight windows. He's good at hitting the corner three-man, but um, his off-ball movement has, in a way, created space like a lot of the great off-ball players have created space for their shot. And as a result, I mean, he's shooting over 40%, one of the premier three-level scorers. Um, and the Bulls are relevant, too. I mean, this idea of the win-loss game plays into the politics of the All-Star game. But uh, when it comes to his overall offense, I mean, he's scoring 20 the game, 65% true shooting, obviously all the off-ball movement. Um, I think he's got to be there. I think he's got to be there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd have Zach in there. Um, while his off-ball game isn't new, his off-ball scoring um, has certainly been on display more this year with his shooting just being absolutely phenomenal. Um, his cutting is also a very great part of his game and adds to his off-ball scoring. Another thing I'd add is, um, although it's kind of random, his first step and his hang time are just insane. Um, they remind me of Michael Jordan, dare I say it. Um, his hang time is MJ-esque. Um, and he uses it to make some tough passes um, and, of course, helps him finish and get to the rim. So, yeah, I definitely have him there. And, oh, yeah, his defense has also improved. Last year, he's one of the worst off-ball guards in terms of defense, while he's the best on, one of the best on offense. So I think that also adds some value. And for my second guard spot, I'd go with Kyrie. Um, but someone else can go, go for him. Yeah, I'd go with Bradley Beal as my second guard. Um the thing with Beal is he's not as great of a creator for teammates as the other guards I have on this list. But the thing with Beal is he's just scoring at an absurd rate, and he's still doing it at above league average efficiency. I think he's about 2.5% above league average. I mean, say what you want about his offensive load and his usage rate and the Wizards sucking, but I mean, he's proven in years past alongside John Wall that he can be a 23 25 23 to 25 point per game guy um, on really strong efficiency. He shot, he has three seasons shooting over 40% from three. Obviously he's shooting just 34% this year, but 
given what he's been capable of doing in the past as an off-ball player, that gives me hope that this ball-dominant play um, is more um, due to the fact that he needs to play like this rather than um, him not being capable of playing off-ball. And given that, and given how absurd his scoring has been this year, especially from the mid-range, I think he leads all players with attempts or is top three in that regard. Um, I think that makes him deserving of a spot. Um, I know some of you guys may disagree just because of the um, the ball dominance and the below average playmaking, but um, I would put him there. Yeah, um, I mean, he's the leading vote getter for guards right now. Um, but I'd, I would not have him as one of the reserve guards for the Eastern Conference. I'd slide with Kyrie Irving. Um, he's been scoring on um, slightly worse volume, but his efficiency has just been way better. I think Kyrie's around plus eight relative to shooting, plus seven to plus eight. I'm not quite sure what exactly it is. Um, while Bradley Beal is down around plus two, plus three. Um, and obviously his playmaking has been much better. And with his offensive load, Bradley Beal's defense has been pretty suspect. While um, Kyrie's isn't great, obviously, but I think it's a, a decent amount better than Beal's this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely go with Kyrie. Um, I mean, in my opinion, I don't really see it as too close. Yeah, I'd like to bring up a number, uh, another name here. Uh, I I give Jalen Brown the nod for this first guard spot, um, just because of game play, games played. You know, this is super close between him and Kyrie. Uh, but considering you know Kyrie missed all that time, uh, prior to the season, I think that definitely caught, you know that that definitely sustained uh, a bit of a a, a slide on in his value. Um, and also considering Jalen Brown, uh, he's had an ultra efficient scoring season, uh, this year. Uh, and uh, you know also some just some incredible two-way play overall. Uh, so I'd give Jalen Brown the nod for this uh, first guard spot. Yeah, I think this is like very tough for me in terms of uh, who I'd take at the at the, guard, at the other guard spot. It's between, um, like Matt, it's between, um, sorry, Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown for me. And like, it's just so hard to like gauge like, uh, you know, exactly like, like at this point, you sort of have to like go down to the nitty gritty, like, you know, like how much value exactly is, are these players adding and then like how much do these like miss games and whatnot like lose my first initial reaction would be to put joe and brown but after sort of like I, I guess thinking it through a touch more this is like really really close and you know like in a couple minutes i might honestly even change my mind but at this point i'll probably slightly lean Kyrie Irving, even if those miss games but when i say it's close it is ridiculously close so yeah i would just go Kyrie, and i mean he's just been absurd offensively this year there's no denying it um, you know, say what you want in terms of like um, how playing on Brooklyn can, especially you know, impact um, his scoring in such a positive way. But yeah, I think I would I'll ever so slightly lean Kyrie. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely right. fair. Uh, considering how close it is. Yep. Did you want to say more? Sorry, I thought you had spoken already. Oh no, that's all. Uh, you guys can take it away with the the forward spot. All right. Well, my first forward, um, I'm, I'm just going to list all three because I just want to get these off my, off my chest. But Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum. Kevin Durant with the missed games drops in from starter to reserve for me. But ultra-efficient scoring at all three levels, we already know who he is. Chris Middleton, you guys did a pretty good job explaining it. I have him in my top 15 right now just because of what he's able to do. With and without the ball, his defense at the nail has been especially great for Milwaukee. Um, 
you know, when everybody, while everybody else is struggling, Chris Middleton's nail defense has seemed like a constant for me. Obviously, the efficient scoring. Jason Tatum missed games, made this one a serious um, question mark. But I think ultimately, you know, he's shooting over 40% from three yet again. Obviously, a dominant pull-up shooter. Um, Obviously, a great defender. Um, I think he deserves to be there as well. So KD, Middleton, and Jason Tatum would be my forwards. Yeah, I'd agree with Jason Tatum um, and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant would definitely be a starter had he not missed all those games. He's We all know how good he is. Um, as for Jason Tatum, he started off the season really, really strong, actually. Um, but then he obviously got COVID and missed five games. And since he got COVID, he's come back and he's been kind of shaky. He's had some really good games um, scoring-wise. But other days, such as today, he's he's been a little bit off when it comes to his shooting efficiency. But... Um, I think his playmaking since he's come back from COVID, and he, he said he's had some breathing issues and whatnot, but I think his playmaking has been a lot better. Um, it's been kind of like what we saw in the bubble, um, except for I'd say even better. He's made some really, really nice passes, and I think his defense remains a constant throughout all this. He's been play- he's Even last year, he's been playing first-team level um, defense, um, maybe the best wing defense in the league, and I think that, that surely gets him a spot as a reserve. Yeah. Um, in terms, I would agree with you in terms of Tatum and KD. Um, you know, KD, the only thing, I mean, he's been playing obviously absurd. The only thing with him is um, just the missed games. And as for Tatum, um, you mentioned playmaking. I think he's been become better this year as a playmaker. Um, sort of, I guess, like, or, you know, similar to the bubble as well in terms of, you know, he's really great. He's made some, like, spectacular passes this year, don't get me wrong. But also, you know, being a good player or being good at just, you know, finding the three-point shooter um, and things such as that. And I'd say that applies, applies to Brown as well. Um, who we sort of talked about and you know I'm a huge fan you know I think you can make an argument for Tatum as the best wing defender in the NBA I know Aria will um, in terms of you know what I really like by him uh, is his help defense and um, sort of I guess his off-ball defense that's that's my main thing with him I think he's you know arguably the best off-ball defender among wings in the NBA so um, you know that's just that's just huge with me and yeah yeah I'll just throw this out there I think I think he's the best wing defender in the league um I think um, Covington isn't a good, good on-ball defender at all at this point. So I think um, while he is the best rim protector and help defender when it goes, comes to the rim amongst wings, I think that his on-ball defense just really drops him down to below Tatum slightly. Um, Tatum's a very, very strong on-ball defender too, but his perimeter help defense is really what sets him apart. Um, he's a really long wingspan. He has good hands. Um he causes he forces a lot of turnovers, gets into passing lanes, um, to make good rotations, whether it be to the to the rim or even on the perimeter, as he slides from the three to the four. He's playing more of the three this year, more of the four last year, but he can he can switch between the two. Um so yeah, definitely an all star for me. And then I think that takes us to the the reserve center spot, um, if that's what you'd call it. And um Calls already touched on Bam and yeah, he would definitely be my pick. His improvement shooting-wise this year has been great and kind of out of the blue. I don't think many saw this coming. And um, he's still maintaining great defensive value, although I think it's a slight notch down. Um, and his passing is pretty strong for a center. Sometimes I think it gets overstated with his assists, which come a lot, come from a lot of DHOs with guys like Duncan Robinson and whatnot. But still a strong passer for a center. And, yeah, definitely gets a spot here. 
Yeah, I would 100% agree once again with um, the placement of BAM. And, you know, I don't have much else to add. Um, you already sort of touched on a lot. Um, but, yeah, of course, uh, I would say I would also agree that his defense has uh, taken a slight dip, maybe not as much as you guys have said it is. It has, in my opinion. But, you know, I guess that's debatable. And, uh, yeah, you know, I would I also, like Ari said, I wouldn't get fooled by, like, the assist numbers. Um, a lot of his assists I wouldn't categorize as very high value. Um, for starters, and uh, yeah, but you know, with the with the increased offensive load, some of those dips in defenses, I said, I guess to be expected. And you know, I'd, I'd say he's definitely improved offensively this year um, compared to last year too. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with those three forward picks as well: uh, Tatum, KD, and Bam. Uh, you guys touched on Tatum and uh, Bam, so a lot on KD. Uh, in my opinion, uh, he's peaking as an offensive player this year. Uh, you know, even uh, it's like primarily because of his passing improvement. Uh, I think he's he's having the best passing season of his career. Uh, he's really making those those reads that he wasn't making, uh, especially with OKC, uh, but uh, even in Golden State. Uh, so yeah, uh, Bam, KD, and uh, Tatum. So that takes us to our two wild card spots. So if someone wants to go ahead with that. Yeah, I'll just uh, throw this in. I know I said he's very close to Kyrie Irving, and I still stand by that, but I'll go with Jalen Brown for now um, uh, in terms of the one that's going to be at the, one of the wild card spots. Uh, you know, it seems like every single year um, recently he's just been improving. Um, I sort of already mentioned, like, you know, like in terms of his playmaking, you know, he's be- I'd say he's become a, you know, pretty good at, as a finder in terms of, in terms of his, like, uh, playmaking status, I'd say. And, you know, scoring this year, you know, he started off the year hot. And, you know, as, a, as an overall scorer, you know, he's been really good, can create on, on or off the ball. So I'm just a fan of his overall offensive game. And, you know, I'd also say he's a solid, solid defender as well. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd have Jalen Brown as my guard over Bradley Beal. Um, yeah, Jalen Brown's just been – he's taken another huge leap this year, especially offensively. Um, I don't think his defense is all that amazing. Um, I definitely don't think it's as good as the extent as other Celtics fans say it is. Um, his on-ball defense is obviously good, but he, he gambles and goes for the steals a lot of the time. And overall, as a team defender, he's just not the strongest. Still a positive defensively, but I, I'm just saying I think it gets a bit overstated at times. Um, he's not the strongest playmaker either, although he's become a capable playmaker um, this year when needed to. Um, but I think it's his scoring that really gets him in here. He's been decently efficient, um, scoring at a really high volume. Um, his, he started off the season with some historically great mid-range shooting, and I think it's come down to earth a bit, but nonetheless, I think it's good enough to warrant a spot here. Um, he's been a slightly worse scorer than Beal, all things considered, but then when you've taken, taken everything else that he's been doing, I think um, he takes a spot over Beal, and it certainly helps to be on a, um, a top-five seed in the East rather than the worst team. So, yeah. I take Jalen Brown. Uh, oh, Yash, did you share yours yet? Uh, yeah, uh, I'd go Kyrie here since I went with Jalen Brown uh, for my uh, my first guard spot off the bench. Uh, so yeah, Kyrie for the aforementioned reasons. Uh, he might be peaking as an uh, as an offensive player uh, for his career this year, uh, even with the games missed. Uh, I, I'd still give him the spot. Um, and for that second uh, wild card spot, I might lean uh, Sabonis. 
you know, uh, I, I initially uh, had Brogdon at the spot, but uh, over Sabonis, his teammate. Uh, but with Brogdon uh, recently, uh, Brogdon struggles as of recent. I'd lead Sabonis here uh, for his value uh, towards Indiana, who's who are sitting in a playoff spot right now. All right, so that leaves me with my two guard pick or my my two wild card picks. Um, English is a struggle right now. Um, so the first guy I'd put in there is Jalen Brown. Um, Jalen Brown's man defense is really solid, but as you mentioned, his team defense he has some lapses sometimes. But given how um, you know how obvious it is that this guy studies the game. Um, I mean, just listen to his interviews. Um, I have no doubt that he can improve there. But to your point about his scoring, I've been most impressed with his improvement around the rim. Um, he's up to about 72% so far this year. Um, and given his improvements as a ball handler, um, you know, I just think he deserves to be here. And I think Kyrie Irving uh, deserves to be here as well. Um, his scoring looks insane right now. Um, do I think this efficiency will hold up for him? No, but I think um, overall his scoring this season has been really, really rock solid. Um, you know, I have my gripes with him as a playmaker, but I think as an overall scorer, uh, Kyrie gets into the All-Star game as a reserve based on that alone. Yeah, as my second wild card, so I'd also get some bonus. Um, I'd also give him the nod um, for reasons I think that have already been discussed. Um but I also think some other guys that deserve consideration for this spot are obviously Bradley Beal, who sadly I have um, missing it for the second time. Although I think he'll end up starting, um, he wouldn't be on my ballot, sadly. Um, and I think Miles Turner, he doesn't get much consideration, but I definitely think he should. Um, he's been playing close to defensive player of the year level defense. His rim deterrence has been amazing, and he's been spacing before adequately for his center. And then um, some other guys who I think could get could get some um, who sh- should get some consideration. I think John Collins is one of those guys. He's just an amazingly efficient scorer. Um, given some of that, is um, a beneficiary of Trey and his playmaking. Um, he certainly makes it easier by being a forty percent three point shooter and being one of the best lob threats in the game. And I think that um, there's a misconception going around John Collins that he's a negative on defense. When I'd say he's actually a pretty strong positive, especially when he plays the four. Yeah. Uh, in terms of guys I'd give consideration to, um, really for me, it came down to two players. I mean, there's more like, you know, like I didn't give particular consideration to, but, you know, I think you're really solid, such as um, you mentioned John Collins. As a, you mentioned Miles Turner. And so where to Miles Turner, I'd say Quint Capel has been a great defender this year. Uh, but ultimately, between Bradley Beal and Sabonis, it's tough. It really is. I think I would slightly lean Sabonis at this point. Um, I think Beal's defense is obviously, like, you know, a main thing. And, you know, that that really does hurt him. You know, obviously, he's an insanely high-volume sh- scorer. And, you know, I, I don't want to bash his efficiency that much. But, you know, it's still, so, still something that, you know, you have to take a look at. And, you know, you, you got to include, like, everything in terms of when you're looking at players. So I, I would just... I would slightly, very slightly, similar to Jalen Brown and Kyrigo Sabonis. On, on the note of Jalen Brown and Tatum, I also wanted to clarify one thing I said. So I sort of called them finders. Um, I sort of, um, I, I, I'm not saying, when I'm saying that, uh, I guess I sort of misphrased that. I'm not saying they don't create their own, like, shots for others, because they do. I'm just saying a lot of their assists or, like, you know, like, their passes may not be as high value. Um, 
that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, this is also kind of random, but um, to continue on Jalen Brown's defense, I think he um, falls asleep a little too often, and um, a lot of players can get backdoor cuts against him, which um, which is common, I think, for a lot of poor defensive guards. But I I have faith that he'll he'll clean that up when when it's needed. As far as other guys that I'd like to throw into the discussion, they didn't make my ballot, but um, with an injury, they would obviously be the first guys up. Nikola Vucevic has been on fire offensively. Um, I think he's near the top of the league when it comes to points from the top of the key from three. He's been over 40% from there. Probably not sustainable, but his passing has always been strong, the post scoring. Um, And he's really held it up for an injured Magic team. Um, you know, say what you want about him having to carry a higher load. But, I mean, he's been balling. Uh, Gordon Hayward is also a good candidate there. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been, you know, a really complete offensive player for the Hornets. Uh, the mid-range scoring is my favorite thing about his game. I mean, he I mean, he just doesn't seem to miss. Um, and then another guy who's a real dark horse who I'd, really like to just give props to. I don't think this guy would even be an alternate for me, but I just want to talk about him, and that's OG Ananobi. Um, You know, I don't think he's realistically a candidate at all, but with his on-ball defense um, and his ability to switch pretty much one through four and some smaller fives, um, that's given Toronto um, a bit of a new wrinkle for their defense this year as they try to get back on track. Um, and his off-the-dribble game has improved leaps and bounds, and I honestly think that if you give OG Ananobi the touches Siakam gets, he could put up similar numbers to Pascal Siakam offensively while retaining some of that on-ball defense. I know that's a bit of a stretch, but um, I've I've just always felt that OG Ananobi has it in him to be a solid uh, creator at some point, and I think given how well he's scoring off-ball, over 40% on three on threes, scoring over 14 a game. Um, I think he's not too far away from being a legitimate all-star candidate. Yeah, I definitely think he'd get some consideration had he not missed 10 games. I think today was his first day back. Um, and um, I, I think I'd actually disagree with you when it comes to Nikola Vucevic. I don't really think he's up there. Um, I mean, he scores at a decent volume, um, but below league average efficiency. Um, he's a decent passer when it comes to centers. Um, nothing too special. Um, and then obviously his defense is really, really bad. Um, he can't really do much against ball screens besides dropping. Um, he can't meet at the point of the attack. He can't really hedge. He's too, too immobile for that, not versatile enough. Um, so I don't, I don't really think he'd, he'd even be up there for me. I think I'd, um, I'd go, if I had to pick a center, I'd go Jared Allen over him and in addition to Miles Turner and um, had Clint Capella not, missed games at the beginning of the season I might go Clint Capella over him but I don't really I'm not the biggest Vucevic guy despite um, some other people really liking him and I'd also just want to give out a shout out to Julius Randle I don't think he's up there for me but he still had a great season nonetheless and is doing a lot for the Knicks so yeah I just want to shout him out yeah and I don't uh, I think anyone mentioned Kyle Lowry just another player that you know, I didn't give it, like, a ton of consideration to or anything, but I just think, you know, um, obviously, you know, um, in terms of his um, importance to the Raptors and um, in general, and, you know, maybe, you know, he hasn't been as good this year, but uh, just another player I want to, I guess, shout out. So, 
Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about Lowry. Uh, I forgot about Van Vliet and Marcus Smart as well in the conversation. Um, but definitely some important guys to mention. Uh, Kyle Lowry still does all the little things. But I think my thing with Lowry this year is his defense has really declined for me. Um, you know, I think his offense is still quite a positive, and I think his defense is still slightly positive. But I think he's fallen off with his help reactions and with his man defense, certainly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about snubs. Oh, go ahead. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about snubs. Uh, you know, I brought up Brogdon earlier. Uh, you know, I also like the the, the inclusion of Julius Randle though I wouldn't have him up there as well. Uh, you know, just for not only as an honorary selection uh, to New York's, honorary nod to New York's uh, position in the standings right now, uh, but he's also uh, been very, he's also been great for them on both ends, uh, you know, solid defensively, uh, though he's not the, the primary reason why their defense has been so great this year. Uh, and also New York's been running sets with him, uh, with him running the point, and he's excelled at that as well, um, you know, with his passing improvement. Uh, yeah. Um, may I add Terry Rozier? He has been going off recently. He's not up there for me, but I think it's just – I think we should just note him. He's averaging 22 points per 75 with plus five relative shooting percentage. Um, I just want to throw that out there. He's been scoring very efficiently this season, and um, the Hornets had three yards going in, and I think that um, they had to choose two of them. And I think he's solidified himself as one of the two alongside LaMelo Ball. So I definitely think he deserves a shout-out and um, – yeah, not he's not up there for me. He's not quite up there, but I think he also warrants some some praise. Yeah, I don't think anyone's brought up Jeremy Grant either. Uh, no, I think that should he, he he's also one of those snubs. Uh, you know, he's having a great year, career year. Uh, in my opinion, he's one of the front runners for most improved. Um, and uh, you know, most of his points, you know, contrary to popular opinion, they actually come from him just playing within the the, the Detroit offense. Uh, though he has improved his his own uh, creation ability as well. Uh, so that's definitely a name that's up there. Yeah. All right. So um, there you guys have it. Our first installment of, or our first and only installment of our all-star ballots, but our first of many podcasts to come. Um, yeah. I mean, we've been talking for over an hour, but um yeah, those are our picks for the All-Star Game. Um, on behalf of Dunk Angle, NBA Circles, and Math Ball, I'm Flares and Pin Downs, a.k.a. Colin. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to the Upscale Hoops podcast.